Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. If your if your car burns ninety two, it's you know the primo. It cost, used to cost me forty, right around forty two dollars to fill my BMW, and now it's like sixty five. So those that drive suburbans and uh, big trucks, I don't want your fuel bill. <laughs> Amen. The high price of oil. Praise God. All right. Um, It really is a tragedy of that shooting in Texas. It just, wow, you just wonder how people can go go off the deep end like that. But it happens. But you do need to, we need to, that's why, you know, we're trying, we've, talked to a couple of people, and we're going to continue to make an effort. We, we're trying to monitor those doors and, and be very careful and cautious of people coming in late that we don't know and things like that. Is you just have to be, got to be aware of it. I'd be a brother. Cliff, uh, he goes, we have cameras outside, but we, we're going to get one for the front door, but we have cameras in the back, and what was that, 5 o'clock in the afternoon the other day? <clears throat> no, when they burnt the Bible, 5 in the morning. Cliff, uh, Cliff went outside. We were here in the daytime. He went out there. He said, hey, you know, there's five pages of the Bible scattered out in the parking lot. I said, no. So he got on the computer, and it was two girls, wasn't it? Two girls set the Bible on. They set a Bible on fire out there. Scattered the pages. Don't know what people are thinking anymore. But I can tell you one thing. It is always, and it needs to always be, a good thing when we come to the house of the Lord. It needs to be the most positive thing in our lives. It is the most positive thing in our life. Amen. And we need to, we just need to remember that. All right, I, uh, uh, I was not scheduled to be your teacher today. Okay, you were going to get a break, but I got a call at 3.30, and uh, Brother Ryan's having some real issues, and so he could not be here. So so I uh, this is uh, something I put together here real quick, and I hope it does benefit each and every one of us here. going to ask you to uh, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and... Sister Alicia had a good idea. She says, it's okay, Pastor. Just have everybody start from Genesis, and we'll just go around. We'll just keep reading a verse until we're done. <laughs> All right, but uh, we'll, we'll not go there until we have to. Okay. All right, here we go. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. You got to like that verse, don't you? Man, you just got to like that verse. I mean, we could stop there and, and talk a lot about that. But here it was. He was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. 
No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Doesn't tell us what he preached during that particular time, you know, that he was in that house. And they, they say more, most probable that it was in Peter's house that he was gathered there. But it, they were packed. They were packed out. And it says he, he preached it. Not very often do you, do you read in the Gospels where it says Jesus preached to them. But anyway, there you go. Don't know what he was uh, preaching to them, but it says, And there came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. <clears throat> when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Hold on to that. We'll read one more verse because there's a lot there, and we'll come back to it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We'll stop right there and just hold it. Amen. And uh, you may be seated, those that were standing. Thank you. Praise God. I like to, the, the uh, title of uh, this little lesson here tonight, simply, You Need Four Friends. Okay, four friends. And uh, how many of you in in school? A best friend ever. Anybody have there? All right. There's one. Who? Who's your best friend? Was it? Russia? Okay. All right. Co who said COVID? Somebody said COVID was their best friend. Come on now. <laughs> All right. And what makes her your best friend? Nice and funny. Okay. Good reasons. Always good reasons, right? How about somebody, Brother Mark? Okay. There you go. A variety. Anyone else, Sister Denise? Well, <clears throat> I would say that more than likely, that that those kind of friends are not really friends. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I had it. I had a a best friend. He was one year older than me. And they had 10 kids in their family, and we had seven kids. And uh, his name was Gary, and he taught me everything I learned in sports, everything. And he used to make me catch when he would pitch, and uh, that's how I learned how to catch in baseball. And no, we didn't wear catcher's pants. I don't even think we had a catcher's glove, right? And he'd throw it just as hard as he could. And that's the way I learned to catch. And I've, I think I've shared this a couple of times. And Sister Kathleen, uh, she went to uh, the little town that we used to live in, and she saw the dents in the house. We played a little game called Burnout. Have you ever played Burnout? You'd pick your walk off, you know, 10 paces. Okay, not 10, but a little further than that. And you would just see how hard you could throw that hard ball and, and uh, we would miss it sometimes and hit the neighbor's house, and 
It had a, a, a soft siding to it and put dents in the house. We had fun. But we, we all have, uh, we have had best friends at one time, and we still do, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I, I tell people a couple of things that I learned early on in life as a young kid was I learned how to make friends, and I learned how to run fast because I was little, and so, you know, I couldn't fight, so it was either make friends or run as fast as I could to get away from them. And it worked pretty good. It still does, actually. But the, uh, the story that I read, uh, that we read here, we're just going to kind of break it down verse by verse, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. But the Bible says that Jesus was in the house. And I think we would all agree here this evening that that is, that, that is our, our sole purpose, really, for when we have church, is we believe, the Bible says, when two or three are gathered, when we come together, and we know that God is everywhere. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. You can't go out the door. You can't go in the supermarket. You can't go anyplace. God is everywhere all of the time. You can't get away from him. If you could take a spaceship to Mars, he'd be there. Guarantee it. But it's when that we are aware, when we become aware, and when we engage spiritually with him in the Holy Ghost. And we, we have a knowledge of who that God is that is here. And when we come together and we begin to worship, and when we begin to magnify his word and his name, then we believe that he manifests his glory in a supernatural way that you just don't get just by being aware of him. All right? And so, and we, we believe that, I mean, when we, have a, when we have a service, we believe, we say, boy, we really felt the presence of God. Anybody ever say that? Sure, sure. And so the, the story goes that Jesus was in the house, and it was crowded. It was crowded to the point where these men that was carrying their friend, there was no room. They, they could not get him in the house. And... Uh, I'm guessing that they probably first tried the door, of course. That's a normal place. I don't think you, when you go visit your friend or your neighbor, how many of you crawl through the window? You probably knock on the door, right? You go to the door first. If you crawl through the window, <laughs> you're a little out there. <laughs> although, you didn't, although, you never know anymore. But the Bible says there was no room, and now, we don't know, the Bible really doesn't tell us anything about the four friends or the man, other than he was paralyzed. And for whatever reason, he had four friends that were willing to pick him up and carry him to a place that they must have believed that he could receive, there was a chance he could receive his healing. They must have believed it. They must have. And I know that all of us, 
when we, you know, how many of you just, boom, you, you just came to the Lord on your own with no help? Right? Well, some kids were second generation, third generation, you know, uh, Pentecostals that were born, in a sense, into a family that served God, then, you know, it's not quite the same story. But in my case, and those that are first generation, okay, Pentecostal, you had to have had a friend probably somewhere along the line that cared enough for you that they felt that they could do you a great service by introducing you to the Lord. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Now, I, I uh, you know, uh, evangelism, I think I've always, I believe that all of us need to be engaged in one manner or another in personal evangelism, whether you're inviting somebody, passing out a card, teaching a Bible study, whatever it is that we do. And uh, I thought of a, a couple of uh, stories that, how many of you have really, now they went to the roof, okay? They were, they were doing a little bit on the crazy side. How many of you have done a little bit on the crazy side trying to move the gospel one time or another? All right? All right. Gigi, what'd you do? Okay. Well, when you remember, okay, I'll give you the mic and you can tell us. All right? But I thought, and Brother Ali will remember this. I think I've shared it before. One Sunday after church, he, uh, he, he at the time, he was outreach director, and, and uh, he wanted to go knocking on doors. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. So it was him and me. But guess what Sunday it was? Super Bowl Sunday. And we went knocking on doors in Richmond. And you had been, you know, you would think that people would have just kind of really. But there was a couple of folks that they invited us in, you know, and we just kind of, you know, chewed the fat a little bit, a little bit. And I thought, now that I think about that, I thought, you know, Ollie, that was really stupid. I mean, really stupid in a good way. But that's kind of, that's kind of going to the road. Right? That's kind of that's going to the road. Doing it. I mean, nobody does that. On Super Bowl Sunday? How many of you are door knocking on Super Bowl Sunday? Come on. Get real. Right? And then I remember one time, uh, you know, when, when you first, when you first get in the church, when you give your heart to God, you are... You are an evangelist, okay? Amen? I mean, I mean, I, wow, I, I was bringing people to church all the time. Sister Kathleen and I were picking up people. Oh, we were picking up people in East Pasco, bringing them to church. I mean, smelling like, you know what, and, but it didn't bother us any at the time. Now it'd be a little bit different. But, I remember one time early on that uh, uh, a young man by the name of Jim Bryant, you probably don't know him, okay? but him and I, we, uh, we decided we were going to pass out tracks out of Columbia Center. 
So we, we had like 500 of them. And we didn't know any different. We thought we were, you know, being good. And we put 500 tracks on cars at Columbia Center. And we went back to church. And, man, we were like, yeah, man, we did it today. And we got a call. Brother Hurst called us and said, hey, boys, I just got a call from the whatever, the manager at Columbia Center. And he says, y'all need to go back out there and pick up every one of them tracks from off those windshields because that's private property. I said, what? So learned a lesson, right? But we, I don't, sometimes, though, if we're, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we lose sight of that first that first rush that comes to us when we're first saved, that being drawn out of a world because we were broke, because we were, wow, we, we were whatever case we were in, whether it was, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it was. But, and feeling, feeling that, wow, that, that the, the Holy Ghost and, and a, a new chapter of life that actually had some meaning and purpose to it. And it was a challenge, really, to not, to not share it with everybody. It really was. Had to be careful on the job, had to, you know, so on and so forth. And, uh, but that's, see, that's, if we're not careful, we, we lose it. And in today's world, they want to put all of these guidelines and these prohibitions and everything in front of us. And so, and the, the COVID mask and everything else. And so, if we're not careful, I'm, I, you know, I, I get concerned sometimes and I'm talking to me, right? With the last two years of COVID and you can't do this. You can't go to your neighbor's house. You can't do this. You can't, they, all of a sudden, we get desensitized, right, to the urgency that we are in. And that is that we, we tend, if we're not careful, we'll lose the focus of the harvest field. And, you know, there, there's no, no doubt Jesus said, you know, y'all need to understand, it's ripe. Okay? Harvest, <laughs> it's out there. It is out there. And uh, so we don't know a lot about these, uh, these four or five. They're five friends, but we don't know a lot about them. I mean, imagine if you would. We don't know if the man, how long he had been that way. Maybe they were playing football and they crushed his spine when they tackled him. I don't know. But they cared enough for him. They knew that what he needed, that he needed Jesus, if he was going to move forward in life with meaning and with purpose and with a potential of healing and making him whole, there was only one answer. It wasn't the psychiatrist, wasn't the back doctor. It was that they knew they had to get him in there. They had to get him in there. And uh, so, they, you know, they, they tried it all. It was crowded, no room. Jesus was preaching. There came a paralyzed man carried by his four friends. 
when they could not get their friend to Jesus because of the crowd, no open doors, no open windows. They went to the rooftop. That's as far as they could go. That was as unconventional as they could possibly go. And we know that it wasn't no four or five-story mansion or anything like that. It was probably, you know, a small building of some kind. And a thatched roof with hard clay, hardened clay that served as a roof. But that's not the point. They were not going to give up. They were not going to give up. And I don't know, you know, how they went about it or anything like that. But the Bible is very, very plain. It says that they took him up there. They uncovered the roof. And maybe they did it very politely. I don't know. Maybe they... You know, they said, okay, now don't damage it. Let's just peel it off. And, or maybe they got a little agitated because nobody would let them in the door. I don't know. Maybe they, hey, you ever had that friend? Said, brother, we're going to rip this. We're going we're gonna to rip the roof off this place. Yeah, you, come on. You, 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 you've met a couple of them? They say, no, we're not going to do it nice. We're just going to tear the shingles off. And we don't know how they did it. But what we do know is that they did it. They let him down. And notice in verse number 5, says, And when Jesus saw their faith, it was a group effort. You'll read, you read all the healings, the personal, the one-on-one. He said, By your faith, according to your faith. But here, the Bible says, When he saw their faith, faith. It was a team effort that was making the difference at that point. And of course, uh, and Brother Cliff, you can uh, go ahead and roll it there, uh, verse number six, and there we go. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but Jesus said, take up your bed, go your way. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And the people in the house said, well, you know, there's a problem there because <laughs> you can't just tell people their sins are forgiven. Don't you love it? How in the world do people, how do they, how do they not, how do they not go underwater in Jesus' name? How do, how do they even consider not giving all of the glory to Jesus, I just don't, it befuddles my mind. It just, it's irritating. I mean, how do you not give the glory to the one that hung on the cross and resurrected from the dead and ascended up into the heavens and sits on the, how do you not give him the glory? Forget the title. Just call him by his name. But they were questioning it. We live in a world that they question it. They question the validity and the identity and the power. We don't. How many of you remember the old uh, license plate frames? Way back. People of the name. Golden license plate frames. Really popular. Everybody had one. But 
but we live in that day where they, you know, where they try even religious people, Christianity questions it. You, you, you know, if you do some reading at all, especially Barna research and the like, there, I think the last time they uh, questioned the general Christianity in America, there was only like, I think, 40, I think there were, well, I think there was 30 or 40 percent didn't even believe in the second coming. Man, what a, wow, what, what a, uh, what a false, what a, what a, what a letdown. What a letdown when you don't understand who is in the house. Who is in the house. And that is, a, you know, my goodness. And listen, people can be saved out on the street. You can take the, the you know, the portable baptistry in the back of your truck, go to Columbia Park and preach and baptize people. And if it's done in the right manner, and if they are truly repentant, God will save them. He does save them. But I think for the most part, we all agree that if somebody, I got saved in the house of God. I don't know about you. How many of you got saved in the house of God? Come on, raise your hand. If you, do you get, yeah. I mean, come on, let's be real. For the most part, for the most part, if you're going to get at that, that you know your your brother, your sister, your you know your whatever, more than likely your your probability there's a high percentage if they're gonna be saved, it's gonna be in the house of God. Why? Because we glorify the name of Jesus and we preach the name of Jesus and we baptize in the name of Jesus. And we believe that when you receive the Holy Ghost, that that is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And when you try to dilute that, when you try to dilute it, when, when you, my goodness, if, you know, you got it. Got to, got to get them to the house. Got to get them to the house. I've shared test, my testimony of it. Mike Sponsler, Wayne Clementson, Easter Sunday, they hammered on my door because I told them I'd go to church with them. I was, I was still hungover. I was literally, I was still half drunk. They hammered on my door, woke me up. But listen to me carefully. They had not been persistent. If they had not be, been willing to go there and knock on the door of that $75 a month shack and for the most part drug me out of that place, only God knows where I would be. It took a friend, a friend that cared for my soul, not for my material gain, not for my better education, not for my job, not for a nicer car. No, he cared for my soul. And 
So they, they said, hey, you know, they, they did the, the unconventional. They did the unconventional. Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. Take up your bed and go your way. Just like that. I believe that's the way that, I believe he wants to act in that moment of faith. I believe he does. He always does. It's just us getting there sometimes. I, I can't tell you how to get there sometimes, but I know when it does happen. I mean, I call them God moments. You, you ever get a God moment once in a while? There's no question. It's like, wow, it happened just like that. And so I'm gonna, I've, got, I've got names for these four friends, all right? Got names for them. First one is the greatest of all, best friend of all, called love. First Corinthians 13 and 13 gives the big three, faith, hope, and love. And I'm going to, two of them, I'm going I'm to call two of the four, okay, love. I believe these five friends had a love for each other. You know they did. It wasn't just... You know, uh, it, it, it was, there was something there. There was something special. They'd gone through some stuff, maybe. Agape love. It's an unconditional, selfless love that expects nothing in return for its affections and benevolence. In other words, we're doing it from a heart of love. They don't care. They don't expect anything in return. They're doing it because that they love God first. God's love, get the God's love is not dependent on the beauty of the object being loved. Look in the mirror. That's a good thing. Doesn't matter to him. Doesn't matter to him. It's just Kathleen and I, we worked with a um, couple of sisters years and years ago, and one of them had suffered terrible, terrible burnt in a house fire. I mean, head to foot. Face just completely, completely scarred. Little kids would actually run from her when they first met her. Had the kindest heart you would ever meet. Just beautiful person. But God's love is not dependent on the beauty of the object being loved. No. His love is unconditional, period. Period. And he wants us to get to where he is, so that this man, whatever you want to call it, one-time healing or whatever, okay? But I believe that God is always, we are going from glory to glory. We're being transformed every day. I don't know about you. I need to be in the presence of God as often as I can because I need to be healed 
on a continual basis. Some of you all maybe don't need it. This guy, I need to always be reminded, GK, your sins are forgiven. And get up, son, and walk. You're in a world where people are, they're full of apathy. They're full of, wow, I don't even know what they're full of anymore. Well, I do, but I won't say it. Some of you didn't, never mind. Okay? That one, that first friend, one of those friends, his name is Love. And somebody mentioned, uh, oh, Sister McCune mentioned that this, this, uh, her good friend was a good friend until all of a sudden there was a separation. Love is the act of one person seeking the highest good for another person. And listen, boy, I learned growing up, Jeff, some of the rest of us, when Kelly, boy, I learned. I thought my friends were, we, I had some really, really good friends. But a good friend will not encourage you to destroy your body with drugs and alcohol. They will. No, sir. A good friend will want to lift you up. A good friend will want you to live forever. A good friend will want you to live a lifestyle that is going to be a blessed life that will experience love and peace and joy, but it ain't going to come from the bottle or the pill bottle. A good friend wants what's best for you. They want you. Listen, I've, I've told people, I, I want you to be so much better than me in your walk with God. I want you to do so much more than I've ever done. The way we want, that's, that's, that's what love says. And good friend says, I want you to, I want God to bless you more than he blesses me. He's got a ways to go there because I want you. I want that. Number two is faith. You got you to gotta have a good friend, love. You, you got to have a good carrying the four corners of your life or whatever. The other one is faith. Faith simply is this, believing Jesus is who he says he is, that he will do what he has promised to do, and then expect him to do it. You know, and if, you, if we believe he is who he says he is, whoa. Mason, do you believe that God created might run fast, and your brother might run fast, but he can't run fast enough to reach some of those planets and stars that God created a billion light years away. If he is, if Jesus said that in the beginning was the Word, 
and that all things were created by him, and there was nothing, nothing made without him that was not made. And then he became flesh and dwelt, and the, the God man became one. Come on. If he is who he says he is, whoa. And I believe in his name. Boy, I tell you what, the roof comes off of anything there are no limitations that roof comes off when he's in the house and my faith reaches out to him and i believe that he is who he is there is no roof there is no ceiling what he can do there is none number 3 work now they could have they could have loved that man. They could have had faith that Jesus could do whatever he could do. But guess what? Yeah. Yeah, Brother Sam, I believe Jesus can do that. And I love you, man. But, oh, how are you going to get there? You can't. It's going to be pretty hard to crawl. You could crawl on a level surface. But you can't, it's going to be hard crawling up to the rooftop. Work. Bible says, faith without works. It's just leaving that boy on the cement. There's the gospel, moving the gospel is work. I don't care how much faith you got. I don't care how much love you got. There's some, there's some rubber that's got to meet the road, and there's some soles of the shoes that got to be wore out, and there's some, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, though they, want, they could have wanted all they wanted to get G, that man to Jesus, but it took them willing to do the work and carrying that man from ground level up to the rooftop and then letting him, it's work. I'm telling you, that preaching is work. I'm telling you, teaching is work. I'm telling you that prayer is work. I'm even, I tell you that reading, not just reading, excuse me, studying the scriptures is work. It don't just happen. It's work. Oh, playing an instrument? How many musicians are in the house? Well, no, watch. They'll just play by themselves. Artificial intelligence 101. No, you understand what I'm saying? Those are three good friends to have. Love, faith, and work. By the way, there's a lack of laborers. Amazon's looking for 100,000 people. UPS is looking for 100,000 people. McDonald's is looking for 50,000 people. Albertsons is looking for 50,000 people. Faith without works is dead. Faith without action cannot save anyone. You're not going to be saved until you 
put your faith into action and you repent. Repentance is work. You're not going to have the blood covering that for the remission of your sins unless you go to the baptismal tank and climb in that, that dunk tank. It's work. The only thing that's not work is God filling you with the Holy Ghost. That's his work. Make sense? It's work. Amen. And four is persistence. Persistence. Getting them to the front door. Can't get in. Go to the windows. Can't get in. All right, well, it must not be the will of God. Hello? Come on. You, anybody been there? Sure. I'm sure I've been there. I've probably been there several times. Doors closed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it must not be the will of God. Persistence. The silent but irresistible power that comes to the rescue of those Found out what that word was. To the rescue of those who fight on in the face of discouragement. Persistence. They are persistent. They are not. Those boys, they were not going to give up. All right. We're going to close here. I want to. Close with, and and I mean this, you know, I mean this very, very, we talk about teams, right? Baseball teams, football teams, basketball teams, whatever kind of teams, right? They work together to accomplish something bigger than the individual. Okay? Those Five, they were a team. Team simply means this. Together, everyone achieves more. I can't do, I can't do anything hardly without help. How many of you can, how many of you can, are a one-man team? There was an old song that says, I want to just be a one-man band. One-man teams, one teams don't go very far, unless you're a golfer. Okay. Team. Those five, they were a team. And what they accomplished that day didn't just, wasn't just, a, you know, a, a, a momentary Wow, whoo, trophy day. What they accomplished that day was recorded for eternal history. What they did that day was recorded as a God moment in time that said this story will, it will last the ages. It will never be erased from the book. 
I can't wait to meet them and know their names. Probably have a hard time pronouncing them, but hey. Why don't we stand? Praise God. Amen. Four friends. Got to have those four friends. Will, they will, I believe those four friends, they need to become our close friends. Love, faith, work, and persistence. Persistence is not giving up until you see what it is that you need God to do in your life. No give up. Persistence. Boom. Every day. Praise God. Amen. All right. Why don't we lift our hearts. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this assembly tonight. God, we do pray. We pray, Lord, that this, these words would encourage us, God, and remind us, Lord, of the urgency, God, of the hour that you have called us to. You've called us to this hour, Lord. And we do not want to come short, Lord, of our calling. God bless, Lord, we pray, as you always do. And we will give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Lord bless you. Hallelujah.